David's Daily Digital Dollop. Dollop 245. Don't talk to me about Mohammed. So, I am now over two-thirds of the way through this daily blogging challenge. A part of me is wondering whether I should start preparing for next year by implementing a phased retirement scheme, meaning that these blog posts would get progressively shorter in order to acquaint myself with my new life next year, away from the rigours of daily blogging. Of course, there was a time when a retired blogger could rely on his state pension, but sadly those days are gone, so I might have to do a few odd jobs to keep the wolf from the door, such as washing neighbours' cars or a bit of prostitution. Or I suppose I could start up a zoo in my garden and charge people for entry. Obviously, I'd make sure that my zoo contained a few lions, tigers and coyotes, who should prove a formidable defence in the event that the wolf did come to my door. I could do a special deal, whereby you come to look at the animals while I wash your car, and then we have sex. What a quality deal. Can't say fairer than that. Obviously, I'd charge extra, though, if you wanted to involve any of the animals in the sex. Hmm, I think I'm getting a good business model together here. That's my retirement sorted, then. When I got in today's taxi, the driver was playing a song on the car stereo. The only words that I caught were, So don't talk to me about Mohammed. The rest of the song was cut off by an incoming phone call. I didn't understand the phone conversation because he wasn't speaking in English, and so my mind began to wander back to the song. I assumed that there was more to the song, although I suppose he might have just had a special feature installed in the car that plays a little jingle whenever the passenger opens the door to get in. And for some reason, this particular driver had chosen So Don't Talk To Me About Mohammed. Maybe this was an instruction to his passengers. Then the passengers would get into the taxi, hear the jingle, and then they'd know that this particular driver doesn't want to have a conversation about Mohammed, which, as we all know, is a common conversation topic among passengers and taxi drivers. Maybe other taxi drivers have their own chosen jingles, such as So don't ask me whether it's been a busy one, or what time I've been on till. Do you really think that I want to spend my life answering the same inane questions over and over again? To be honest, I was glad that this driver spent the entire journey on the phone, because I wasn't sure what I was going to talk to him about, given that he didn't want me to talk talk to him about Mohammed, which is generally my go-to conversation topic with taxi drivers. While the driver chatted away, presumably about something non-Mohammed related, I hope his friend knew the rule, I did an internet search on my phone for Don't Talk To Me About Mohammed song lyrics, and discovered the words to a song by an artist called Dowd Warnsby. As well as the lyrics, there was a link to the song on YouTube, and when the chorus kicked in, I knew that it was the same song that I'd heard a few minutes ago in the taxi. So it seemed as if it was by chance that I happened to get into the car just as an impassioned voice warned me not to talk about Mohammed before being cut off by a phone call. So it wasn't a custom-made jingle designed to warn passengers of taboo conversation topics. So that cleared that up then. But then I looked further down the webpage and I noticed the title of another of Dowd Warnsby's songs. So don't ask me if it's been a busy one or what time I'm on till. So actually I'm a bit confused now. The song, Don't Talk To Me About Mohammed, has some rather interesting lyrics. It would be such a pleasure for you to come along with me, and I accept your gracious offer of kindness and company. But as we walk along, and you may help me with my lord, I've only one request as we travel down this road. Don't talk to me about Mohammed. Because of him, there is no peace, and I have trouble in my mind. So don't talk to me about Mohammed, and as we walk along together, we will get along just fine.
So, this person has made it pretty clear to his companion that he doesn't want to talk about Mohammed. But rather than him simply saying, Oh, by the way, I know it's a bit strange, but as we walk together, I'd appreciate it if we'd avoid talking about Mohammed, if that's alright. The companion might be a bit taken aback by this odd request, but he'd probably oblige and they'd spend a pleasant walk together, chatting about non-Mohammed-related stuff. But, I would argue that this man has gone a rather unusual roundabout way of asking someone not to talk about Mohammed. He's asked his companion not to talk to him about Mohammed before proceeding to get on a bit of a rant about Mohammed. Still, he's made his point very clear and presumably now they can get on with the rest of their walk and chat about the weather or something. But no, the man continues blabbering on about the very thing that he doesn't want his companion to talk to him about. It's become clear that this person doesn't have a problem talking about Mohammed himself. He just seemingly doesn't want someone else to talk to him about Mohammed. That man upsets me so, and so much more than you could know. I hear of his name and reputation everywhere I go. Though his family and his clan once knew him as an honest man, he's dividing everyone with his claim that God is one. So don't talk to me about Mohammed. The man is seemingly unaware of the irony of what he's doing, chattering away, ten to the dozen to his companion about the very thing that he's telling his companion not to talk to him about. But as I say, he's clearly not appreciated the irony of his behaviour because he continues to witter away about Mohammed. He's misled all the weak ones and the poor ones and the slaves. They think that they've all found wealth and freedom following his ways. He's corrupted all the youth with his twisted brand of truth, convinced them that they're all strong with somewhere to belong, so don't talk to me about Mohammed. I'm not even sure that there was any indication that this man's companion even had any plans or desires to talk about Mohammed in the first place. The man is clearly mad. By this point, the companion is presumably trying to interrupt the insane man's Mohammed-based blabber, but he is having none of it. He continues. Let me give you some advice, since you've been so very nice. From Mohammed, stay away. Don't heed his words or emulate his way. And don't talk about Mohammed. By this point, the man's companion is probably losing the will to live. He had absolutely no intention of talking about Mohammed, although he's now so sick of the weird man's incessant chatter about not talking about Mohammed that he's tempted to start talking to him about Mohammed, just to antagonise the deranged idiot. Eventually, the man stops his Mohammed-based diatribe and says to his companion, Now, before we part and go, if it's all right just the same, may I ask, my dear man, who you are? What is your name? This man has presumably talked about Mohammed for so long that they've reached the end of their walk and he hasn't even managed to let his companion introduce himself. The last few lines of the song are It is truly rather funny, although I'm sure I must be wrong, but I thought I just heard you said that your name is Mohammed. Mohammed? Oh, talk to me, Mohammed. Upon you I pray for peace, and you have eased my troubled mind. Oh, talk to me, Mohammed. And as we walk along this road together, we will get along just fine. And as I travel down life's road, I will get along just fine. What the bloody hell has just happened there? The companion has presumably told the man that he is called Mohammed. Either that, or the man is so deranged and completely Mohammed-obsessed that he has just misheard the man's name as Mohammed, even though the man clearly said that it was John. Or maybe his companion has said that he's called Mohammed in order to wind the man up. Although, surprisingly, we discover that rather than being annoyed and upset about this revelation, the man instead is jubilant and then jumps to the wild conclusion that the companion is actually the Mohammed, the very Mohammed that he has been ranting about all this time. He then begins to profusely praise him. So it seems as if Islamic music is just as stupid and risible as Christian music. Religions really do have more in common than they have in contrast. If only more religious people thought, look, our music is nonsensical claptrap, yours is clearly incongruous bilge, we essentially are the same, and we like the same thing, only your lyrics are frequently peppered with the word Mohammed, and ours with Jesus. But essentially it's the same shit. Come on. 
Let's be friends. This realisation could save our planet and increase tolerance among the religions. You see? There was a kind of moral to this blog, wasn't there? Oh, these dollops work on so many levels. At the end of yesterday's dollop, there was a reference to Christian rock. This reminded me of the first concert that I ever went to. I was brought up a Catholic, and the church youth group organised a trip to see a Christian rock concert. I was about ten year old, I think. But even so, I found the whole experience unsettling and cringeworthy. We all travelled to the concert on a coach and spent the journey singing happy, clappy Jesus songs. I hated it. I used to really enjoy the music at church. We had the luxury of a talented organist in our congregation and a sizeable, good quality church organ. He was able to play the organ properly, including all the pedals, and it sounded incredible. I used to go to church as a child making no fuss whatsoever because I was spellbound by the music, the power of the organ, the soaring voices of the choir, complete with descants and layers of harmony. Our priest, Father Kennedy, was also a really good singer, and where other priests might have chosen to just say most of the mass in a dry delivery, he would take any opportunity possible to sing the various elements of the service, such as the offertory, or the bit where he tells you to shake each other's hands and wish each other peace. Through him, in him, with him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. That's what he used to do. All the other priests used to just go through him, in him, with him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honour is yours, almighty Father, forever and ever. He would go through him, in him, with him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honour is yours, almighty Father, forever and ever. And we'd all go, Amen. Brilliant. But I wasn't a fan of this happy, clappy stuff that we were singing on the coach. Someone had a guitar which they could play in a mediocre fashion, and there was nothing beautiful, mysterious or powerful about this music. No lingering discords, no low, resonant pedal notes, no soaring counter-melodies or spine-tingling choral harmonies. Just clumsy guitar thrashing, people lacklustly clapping their hands and belting out twee lyrics like Rise and shine and give God his glory, glory or he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole wide world in his hands in slight ridiculous American accents over repetitious and dull three chord guitar strumming I especially hated those happy clappy Jesus songs that were meant to be funny songs that tried to desperately say hey look we, we believe in Jesus yes but that doesn't mean that we don't have a sense of humour <laughs> Although in actuality, these songs proved exactly the very opposite point. I can't remember any of these songs. I've been racking my brain to try and dredge up an example of one of these songs, but I must have repressed the memory. That's how hideously bad and painfully nauseating they were. I would try and rack my brain harder, but I'm writing this on a train, and I don't want to have some kind of psychotic episode or breakdown by resurfacing such horrors. Little did I know, though, that the worst part of the evening was still yet to come, and that the happy, clappy songs on the bus was nothing compared to the misery that I was about to suffer. The concert was horrendous. I know I might be depicting myself as a really snobbish, pretentious child, but I don't care. I loved music. Music was my world. I loved the sound of the church organ and the choir, and I loved my dad's record collection, Mike Oldfield, Cat Stevens, Leonard Cohen, Al Stewart, Harry Chapin, King Crimson. I loved listening to John Peel at night and the incredible array of sounds and styles. But this concert was the most middle-of-the-road, uninteresting, uninspiring drivel that I'd ever heard. I don't remember 
remember any of the songs, obviously, but they were essentially three chords all the way through, electric guitar, bass, a keyboard playing an uninspiring string pad, and very simplistic drum accompaniment, while the frontman sang things like, Jesus is great, yeah, 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 Jesus is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And got everyone in the audience to join in and clap along. In fact, three quarters of every song seemed to be him getting the audience to join in with the mind-numbingly repetitious hook while clapping along. There was nothing of interest or substance at all. Towards the end of the concert, the frontman shouted to the audience, OK, are we ready to show Jesus that we love him tonight? There was a loud, enthusiastic, Yeah! from the audience. Okay, everyone, stand up. Come on, stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Let's show Jesus just how much we love him tonight. I was confused by the logic of this idea. Did the man really think that Jesus would be watching and would be thrilled that some people in a concert hall in Newcastle were standing up for him? Bearing in mind that Jesus' father is all-knowing, surely his dad already knew if he loved his son and could easily pass the knowledge on to his son if he thought he'd be interested. So I think the act of standing up is a bit redundant, really. But I might be wrong. Maybe God and Jesus were up there in heaven looking down and were getting all excited by what was happening. Oh! Come over here, Jesus. There's a few hundred people in Newcastle who are standing up to show their love for us. Oh, great. Tell me more, Father. Who have we got? Well, well, um, let's have a look. There's, there's Brian Jackson, you know, the welder from Sunderland. He's just stood up. Good old Brian. Yeah, he's a pretty solid candidate for heaven, I think, Dad. Uh, we've got uh, Joan Taylor, you know, the uh, the baker from Billingham. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's just stood up. Ah, Cliff Bailey, the landlord from Darlington. Ah, so old Cliff has finally come around to believing in us, has he? Interesting. Well, he's got a lot of catching up to do if he's going to get into heaven after the whole adultery episode. Not to mention that time that I caught him coveting his neighbour's oxen. And you know that's one of my pet hates, Jesus, the old ox coveting. I'll be reminding him about that when he gets to the gates. I very much doubt that Jesus or God are in the least bit bothered whether a few hundred people stand up in a middle-of-the-road Christian rock concert in Newcastle to clap, swear and sing, Jesus, we love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, we love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over and over again. Of course I stood up. I mean, everyone else around me was standing up. So I just stood up and half-heartedly swayed and clapped. After another 30 repeats of the Jesus, we love you, yeah, 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 hook, the frontman once again addressed the audience. Okay, okay. There are a small handful of people in this hall tonight. It's a small handful of people who are not standing up. No, 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 no. Don't look round. We know we don't want to embarrass them, but I want to repeat my invitation to stand up. Come on. Join us, stand up, and show the Lord Jesus that you love him. Come on, stand up for Jesus, stand up for Jesus. He then recommenced his singing. Jesus, we love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, we love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over and over again. And the audience all joined in, whilst no doubt trying to subtly turn their heads to take a peek at the remaining few people who hadn't stood up. After another minute of, Jesus, we love you, yeah, 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 the frontman's voice came again. Bless you, my friends. Bless you for choosing to stand up and show the Lord Jesus that you love him. But there are still three people in the hall tonight, and please don't look round. We don't want to embarrass them, but I want to extend my invitation to them one more time. Come on, join us. Please stand up and show the Lord Jesus that you love him tonight. Come on, stand up for Jesus. Let's encourage them, everyone. Come on, clap your hands. Huh. 
Raise your voices and let's sing together. Hmm. Stand up for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Stand up for Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. A minute or so later, the frontman shouted to the audience that there were now only two people who wouldn't stand up to show the Lord Jesus that they loved him. After another two minutes of this weird and pointless hectoring, the two remaining people stood up. The frontman was triumphant, and the audience whooped and cheered this apparent victory, and everyone sang over and over again with even more vigour. Jesus, we love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over and over again. My dad also thought this was a bit much. Unfortunately, he never took me to another Christian rock concert. I continued to go to church until the organist left the church to become a priest. They never did manage to replace the organist. Instead, they just had someone who would play the starting note and then we would lacklustrely join in, drifting more and more out of tune as the song progressed. But then, a couple of weeks later, the priest announced the good news that we would shortly be getting a replacement musician to accompany the singing. I am happy to say that as of next week, we will have guitar accompaniment from a member of the church youth team. I knew it was time to leave, and I had to break the news to my dad that I would no longer be going to church. Jesus! I'm afraid I've got some bad news, son. I'm afraid we've lost David Eagle. What? Really, father? Oh, damn. But he stood up for me in Newcastle only a couple of years ago. Oh, that is a shame. That's a disappointment. I'm afraid we've also lost Cliff Bailey as well, the pub landlord from Darlington. I caught him coveting his neighbour's oxen again. I won't tolerate it, Jesus. I just won't. Some days are harder than others when it comes to these dollops. Today is one of those annoying ones where I feel really tired and devoid of any creative thought. I've been sitting at the computer for ages, having not written a single word. Although I wasn't feeling at all creatively inspired to write anything, my brain was having no trouble being creative when it came to procrastination exercises. I think I must be one of the most creative procrastinators out there. Seriously. At one point, I became aware that I was absent-mindedly reading my computer's desktop icons and counting them. There were 11, incidentally. I decided that some of these weren't necessary and so went through them again and got rid of three of them. Then I decided to see how many files I had in my various folders on the computer. In order to give this exercise a bit of added spice, well, does it really need any more spice? I mean, exciting enough as it is. I pretended that each folder was taking part in a competition and the winning folder would be the one containing the most files. First up, documents versus downloads. What an epic battle this was going to be between these two heavyweight folders. As I clicked onto the computer icon, the crowd roared excitedly as the list of folders presented themselves and the downloads and documents folder came into view. I clicked onto the documents folder and a hush descended over the crowd as the counting commenced. 118 files. Well, it's a good number, but is it enough? Intoned the commentator. Yes, well, it's very much a game of two folders, and uh, we've currently only seen the one, so uh, it's not over yet, added one of the expert pundits. He used to compete as a My Music folder in the days of Windows XP. The roar of the crowd once again died as the downloads folder was opened and the counting commenced. It was evident that it was going to be close. The crowd held their breath. One hundred and ten files. The downloads folder lost out to the documents folder by only eight files. The documents folder's supporters went wild. Well, it was a close game, but at the end of the day, the downloads folder just didn't have enough files in it to win, remarked the other expert pundit, a retired My Received Files folder from the days of MSN Messenger.
Next up, ladies and gentlemen, it's the moment you've all been waiting for, came the voice over the PA. It's the battle of the file types, ladies and gentlemen. Introducing two heavyweight contenders, it's Word Documents versus MP3s. Naturally, the crowd went crazy. Then came the respective file types walk-on music, which played as the two opposing file types came out into the ring. There was a bit of jibing from the MP3 supporters who mocked the Word documents for the fact that their chosen walk-on music, which was playing over the PA system, was an MP3 file. The MP3 brigade thought this was very funny indeed, and there was much taunting. This riled the supporters of the Word documents, and a bit of a fight broke out amongst some of the fans. The stewards waded in, and the fight soon stopped. After all, no one wanted to be escorted off the premises and miss such an epic battle as this great head-to-head between the MP3s and the Word documents. First up, MP3s. A hush descended over the crowd as the count commenced. The count took some time due to the number of files, but then the result was in. 316. Well, it's a nice high number, but will it be enough? If there are more Word documents, then the Word documents will win. So it's very much a game of two file types, this one. So it's not over yet, said the retired My Music folder. Then came the count for the Word documents. 145. The MP3 supporters went wild, but there was dissension amongst the Word documents who were remonstrating with the officials about the rules of the game. The officials had only counted .doc and .docx files and had failed to include .txt files, plain text files, and .rtf files, rich text files. The Word document team were arguing that these were surely valid Word documents given that they are files that can be saved and read in Microsoft Word, but the officials weren't having any of it and refused to back down. A massive fight began to break out between the Word documents and the MP3 files and the officials. The Word documents were coming off much worse in the fracas until the Microsoft Office paperclip waded into the fray and began laying waste to all who came in its way. The MP3s and the officials lay sprawled on the floor, flat out and defeated. The Office paperclip then triumphantly popped onto the stadium's big screen, displaying the results of the game, which just so happened to be in a Word document. The paperclip replaced the MP3 file score of 316 with a zero, put the words WINNER in a big bold font next to the Word documents column, and then riled the MP3 supporters even more by writing HA 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 in a massive evil-looking font. It then saved the file as a read-only document to avoid the result being changed, and then Ben walked into my room handed me a cup of tea and asked me what I was doing, which brought me back into reality. I checked the time. I really needed to stop this ridiculous procrastinating exercise and get on actually writing something for this dollop. And so I did, and you've just listened to it. Well, I mean, whether you enjoyed it or not is another matter altogether. But in fairness, this challenge was merely that I did a blog every day for the year. There was nothing stipulated in the rules that what I wrote had to be any good. So I am still a winner. If there is anyone who works in film and TV who is interested in turning my epic file types battle into a film or TV drama, then feel free to get in touch. Naturally, I don't come cheap, but it'll be worth it. I have some great ideas for a big showdown between Excel and PDF files. Let the bidding war commence. I have started adding a few of these dollops to YouTube. The reason for this is to give people who might not have heard of me and therefore would never hear any of my work the opportunity to experience what I do. What a benevolent man I am. It's kind of like missionary work.
Ordinarily, the only people who would read or listen to these dollops are people who have deliberately come to my website because they have some idea of who I am. Sometimes there are a few people who accidentally stumble onto my website when searching for things like fat gay Hungarian plumbers. See dollop 26 if you're confused. But these people are unlikely to stay on my website for long once they've realised that I'm not offering what they wanted. I mean, I suppose there might be someone out there who now regularly reads or listens to these dollops after accidentally finding me by searching for something like fat gay Hungarian plumbers and for some reason continued reading even though it wasn't at all what they were initially looking for and now they come back every day to read these dollops but it's doubtful that there are many people who fit this description. Most people who read and listen to these dollops know who I am. The great thing about YouTube is that it allows people to accidentally discover things. It recommends videos that you might like based on what you've previously watched. It also has an autoplay feature meaning that once your chosen video is finished another one will automatically play and it could be anything especially if you're like me and you fall asleep halfway through your chosen video meaning that the autoplay feature keeps moving on to video after video until you wake up to find yourself listening to a documentary on a man who claims to have traveled to the year 3000. My recommended videos section is very weird and unrelated. I've just opened the YouTube app on my phone. Here is a list of some of the videos that come up for me to watch. Consciousness is a mathematical pattern. A documentary about near-death experiences. What if the Middle East's borders were redrawn by the American Enterprise Institute? Richard Whiteley, Countdown Gotcha. The song Bird in the Bush by the folk singer Anne Briggs. Jeremy Corbyn's Trident Renewal Speech. Bohemian Rhapsody for Symphony Orchestra and Solo Viola. The Coming of the Quantum Computer Revolution. Amazing Beatboxing Girl. Inside the Weird World of an Islamic Feminist Cult. The nature of space and time from a biocentrist perspective. The economic argument against neoliberalism. An interview with George Formby. An interview with George Galloway. This is why the Zionists want Jeremy Corbyn out. With three exclamation marks. Talking with hookers over a CB radio. And Tom Hanks. America will be fine if Trump becomes president. Perhaps now you have an explanation as to why I'm so unhinged and these dollops are often so odd because this is the collage of craziness that I'm drifting in and out of consciousness to every night. And the more YouTube is allowed to use its autoplay feature without human intervention, the more absurd and disparate the video choices become. So, I am putting my stuff on YouTube on the off chance that someone might fall asleep while watching a documentary about 18th century Russia and then wake up completely bewildered to hear me talking about fat gay Hungarian plumbers, or going on a surreal flight of fancy about the Microsoft Office paperclip becoming sentient and beating up some MP3 files. See yesterday's dollop. I'm also interested to find out which videos YouTube deems appropriate to play after one of my videos. For instance, if you listen to the aforementioned dollop entitled Fat Gay Hungarian Plumbers, then the next video to play is entitled Beautiful Muscle Man, which was uploaded by the Police Gay Channel. Today I have been working on the final part of the Youngins in the Mix, which I shall release on the Youngins podcast and David Eagle's Pick and Mix in the next couple of weeks. Thanks to one of YouTube's recommended videos last night, I came across a tutorial that gave tips for removing unwanted noise from recordings. This video surfaced at an opportune time because it may come in handy for the bit of the youngins in the mix that I'm currently working on. I am taking samples from a variety of old radio recordings and records and there is quite a lot of crackle and hiss on the various samples. But I've been able to strip a lot of that extraneous noise away thanks to this tutorial video. 
Basically, you play the program a sample of the noise that you want to remove, it then analyses it and removes that specific noise from the recording. However, even more beneficial and exciting than removing unwanted noise from old recordings is the notion that theoretically I can now use this tool on the Youngins podcast to automatically remove Michael Hughes and his various inane comments. This will save me a hell of a lot of editing time. It will also come in useful when I release Now That's What I Call David Eagle, Volume 1, which is the much-anticipated compilation album of songs made by me between the ages of 7 and 10. I will now be able to use this noise removal tool to delete all the tape hiss in order to create remastered versions of the songs. This is very exciting, as imagine how incredible it will be to hear Daniel wet himself today in crystal clear sound. There was also a video that auto-played on YouTube as I began to fall asleep about a tool that creates stereo or surround soundtracks from mono files using some kind of clever audio trickery. So I'll be able to release a special enhanced version of Now That's What I Call David Eagle Volume 1, meaning that you can listen to Daniel wet himself today in 7.1 surround sound. This will be especially useful for when a big budget film company wants to turn my life story into a blockbuster movie. They'll be able to incorporate my childhood recordings into the film in immersive 3D audio. Also, when I was a child, I recorded everything, meaning that I have so many cassette tapes of me talking. This means that I probably won't need to have a voice actor playing the part of my seven-year-old self, because they could just cobble together my dialogue using samples of my actual seven-year-old voice. I suppose this is also a benefit of recording so many dollops and podcasts. If I ever had a tragic accident or had a condition that meant I was unable to speak and had to communicate using a device like Stephen Hawking, I could probably still speak with my old voice, rather than having to use the Stephen Hawking style voice. I've recorded so many hours of me talking that I most likely have a recording of me saying nearly every word in the dictionary, or at least every word that I'd conceivably ever need to use. I could put all these words into a machine, and thus, despite not being able to use my mouth, I could still speak with my actual voice. Granted, it would take a rather long time to go through every single word that I've ever spoken and then put it into a computer, but I'm paralysed for goodness sake, so I'd have plenty of time on my hands. Plus, nowadays, I could probably get people to help me over the internet. All they'd need to do is download the speech program, sift through all my dollops and podcasts, and add the words to the program's database. I'm sure I have many dollop listeners who'd be happy to help with such a project. Once all the possible words have been added to the database, we can then roll out Eaglebot Phase 2. Let's just say there happens to be a word that I want to use, but I don't seem to have a recording of me saying it. Then my team of helpers can start taking syllables from other words and editing them together to form the missing word. So, for instance, let's say that there is no recording of me saying the word infrastructure, but there is a recording of me saying the word infrared and the word structure. We can take the infra from infrared and place it before the word structure to create the word infrastructure. Obviously, there will now be lots of instances of me saying the word infrastructure because I'll have said the word quite a few times when I come to recording the audio version of this dollop, unless, of course, something terrible happens to me overnight before I get a chance to make the recording. But I am confident that, regardless, I will still have enough words recorded to make the word infrastructure, so I'm not overly concerned. I suppose there is also commercial viability in this project, as people will be able to download my voice onto their computers, tablets, phones and sat-navs, and have my voice reading their text messages and emails and giving them directions. Maybe I'll set up a Kickstarter campaign to get this off the ground. Get in touch if you're a programmer who fancies helping out.
David's Daily Digital dollop, dollop 250. So if this is successful, it might be a regular feature, I don't know. But I had an idea today, because nothing really much has happened today, and I don't really feel particularly inspired. So I thought, well, why not use Wikipedia's random article generator? When you click on the link, it randomly generates an article from Wikipedia's... How many entries are in Wikipedia? Let's find out. There are over 5 million English Wikipedia articles. And so I'm going to select an article from that, and I'm going to read a little bit of it, and then the idea is that I've got to try and make some form of joke or comedy about it. So this is just a little experiment. Uh, it might not work at all. But let's find out. So I've got the random article generator link on Wikipedia. I'm going to press it. It could be anything. I'm going to activate the link right now. Here we go. And then let the comedy commence, everybody. Here we go. Rajdan the Pro Tomato. I prefer to I, I prefer to call him a pro tomato, uh, but let's call the hey let's call the whole thing off. So straight away there a joke, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm loving this feature already, everyone. I mean, you can, what a creative genius I am. Right. P-R-O-T-O-M-A-R-T-Y-R. So it's pro so it's pronounced pro-tomata. But I was able to read that spelling and then make the pro-tomata, pro-tomato, let's call the whole thing off joke. So you know that you're in safe hands here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so I don't even know what that's about, but I've already made a joke on it. So we can move on already. I haven't even had to read the article there, my friends. I've just made a joke from the title alone. Let's move on to the next one. Angela Clayton. Head of Criticality Safety at the Atomic Weapons Establishment for some years. That's what I love about Wikipedia there. It's attention to detail, some years, everybody. There you go. Participant in the International Criticality Safety Benchmark Evaluation Project. Oh, yes, they had a... Then you had a party, those guys. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it might sound like a very serious position, but um, one thing I do know is that the International Criticality Safety Benchmark Evaluation people, they really knew how to let their hair down. Work hard, play hard, that was their motto. She was the member of the Advisory Programme Committee and technical programme committees for International Conference on Nuclear Criticality Safety, ICNC, of course, for short, or I call it INCNUC. Instead of saying International Conference on Nuclear Criticality Safety, it's just easier to say INCNUC. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, you wouldn't know what I meant if I said INCNUC, but uh, people in the know do. When I, when I refer to it, I always refer to it as INCNUC. Um... Okay, that was a few jokes in there. Um, let's move on. Good idea, this. I think you'll all agree. Okay, now we have Jim O'Neill. Office hockey. No. <laughs> Ice hockey. <laughs> Sorry. It's because there it was the there was a sign before the word. It was like in brackets. The way that it looked in Braille, it made it look like the shorthand Braille sign for OF. And so that, before the ice, I thought it said office hockey, which I was thinking, oh, this sounds really exciting. But unfortunately, it's just ice hockey, which isn't anywhere near as exciting. I love the idea of office hockey. When it came to office hockey, he was very much a staple part of the team because he played office hockey and they have staplers. So, there you go. There you are. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> Jim was married to Betty, and they had three children, Peggy, Jim, and Judy. They settled their family in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Jim and Betty were both involved in the neighbourhood church and very liked in their community. He has 12 grandchildren. Bloody hell, you don't normally get this on Wikipedia, do you? I've never read a Wikipedia article where they tell you that he, was, that he attended the local neighbourhood church 
and that he was very liked among the community. I think you're really clutching at straws here. He has 12 grandchildren and over 20 and counting great-grandchildren. And counting? What the bloody hell? He has over 20 and counting. But ironically, you're not counting, are you? You're clearly not counting. If you were counting, then you would know the number. You wouldn't go, oh, it's over 20. You'd be able to tell us the number, wouldn't you, if you were counting? Jim was a caring and strong man. Well-respected and hard-working. I've never seen this on Wikipedia. You know, you normally get substance. If this is all you need for Wikipedia, I could have one for me. You don't actually have to have achieved anything. You just write, David Eagle was a, a nice man. Uh, well-intentioned. Um, he was incredibly humble. And a great storyteller. What the bloody hell? You never get this on Wikipedia. I've never seen this on Wikipedia before. Basically, the majority of the article is just saying what a nice person he was. So basically, we know that there was a nice person in Canada. <laughs> that's what this article is. And that's the end of the article. Excellent. That's the end of that article, ladies and gentlemen. Hit the random button again. Donald R. Garriott. Let's have a look. Oh. Donald R. Garriott was a, a window cleaner from Pontefract. He was a lovely, unassuming man who had a beard, two children, and a Jack Russell dog. There we go, that's the end of that article. Thank you very much, Wikipedia. I think Wikipedia's gone a bit downhill. No, I didn't say that. Donald R. Garriott died on the... <laughs> Excellent! The first thing it says on this Wikipedia article doesn't say anything about who he is. It just says, Donald R. Garriott died on the 8th of November 2007. Brilliant. Well, it's always nice to know. Don't spoil the ending. He was president of the Optical Society of America. And that's it. And that's the end of the article, everybody. No wonder there's five million articles. <laughs> My uh, joke about the window cleaner actually had more detail in than that Wikipedia article. The genuine Wikipedia article we just read. The next one. Weir's, Be Weir's Beaker. Isn't, I don't know what this is about, but Weir's Beaker. Isn't that what a Geordie says when he's lost his cup? Here, Weir's Beaker. See what I've done there, ladies and gentlemen? Is a village in Radom country, Masovian Voivodiship, in east-central Poland. It is the seat of the Gminy Administrative District, called Gmina Wiesbika. It lies approximately 18 kilometres south of Radom and 108 kilometres 67. Yeah, I've done me joke about that, I think, haven't I? I did the Wiesbika Geordie joke. I think we'll, we'll move on from that. And finally today, ladies and gentlemen, Washland or washers, are areas of land adjacent to rivers which are deliberately flooded at times when the rivers are high. To avoid, well, I mean, drug-taking rivers. Drug-taking rivers is a big problem. And the trouble is, with these high rivers, these drug-taking rivers, we're not sure where they get the drugs from, but it is common for a river to run into the Exeter Sea. The Exeter Sea. Yeah, it does say here, actually, that the rivers are high as they run into residential areas, it says here. And they're trying to stop them from running into residential areas, which you can imagine. The rivers are taking drugs, they've run into the ecstasy, and they've gobbled it all up. The rivers are getting high, and they're running into residential areas. And as you'd imagine, there's probably quite a lot of crime going on and that kind of thing. So, um, good on the washlands, I say. Uh, excellent work that they're doing. Examples of washlands include the ouse washers. The Ouse is um, the genre of music that the rivers like to listen to and take their drugs to. Acid Ouse. 
And that's that's the end of the article, basically. There's nothing more to be had there. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that was certainly successful. And I think this needs to just be sent, basically, straight to Radio 4. And I think they will automatically... They'll say, my goodness, he can make a Wikipedia article about Washlands. Unbelievably hilarious. Then he can turn himself to anything. That's my pilot for Radio 4 sort, but I think, everybody... So I feel as if maybe today's dollop is a little bit of a cheat, but I was just about to write today's dollop, and then I was contacted by my friend Ruth, who is currently in Northern Ireland, and she was listening to an Irish radio station. She had the radio on, and there was an Irish talk show. She said, you've got to listen to this. It's absolutely crazy. So I went online and listened, and indeed it was crazy. It's absolutely, it's unlike anything that you get in, that I've heard in sort of English radio. I mean, for a start, they're allowed to swear, and this is proper terrestrial radio, FM radio, and as well as all the swearing, the other weird thing about this particular talk show format is the fact that they have more than one caller on at a time. They have more than two callers on at a time. Often they have three or four callers just all talking at the same time. So you've got three or four callers and the presenter, and they're all just talking together. It's chaos, but it's it's brilliant. It was unbelievably compelling. So I thought I'd play a little clip. They're talking about eating animals and a vegan comes on the programme who's rather angry and uh, all hell breaks loose basically. So I'm going to play this. It's a bit of a bit of a different dollop to usual. As I say I sort of feel as if I'm cheating a little bit and I'm not planning on making a habit of just playing clips from other shows and that kind of thing. I think that's not really in the spirit of the dollop but I think we can afford a one-off. This is a Northern Irish talk show on 4FM. It is quite swear laden but if it's good enough for terrestrial Northern Irish radio, it's good enough for David's daily digital dollop. Here we go. There's absolutely no, no, have been for judge, thousands of years. Excuse me, don't mind thousands of years. Don't mind yeah. we are herbivores, we are not omnivores or carnivores. New age bullshit. We do not, That's excuse all me, excuse me, you see, once a vegan gets on here, it's all mouth and mouth with all of you, you know? I wish more vegans got on the stage here. Humans don't even have a killing instinct. Of course we have a killing instinct. No, you don't have a killing instinct. Yes, we it's do. It's sport, it's tradition, it's culture. What scientist has said that? What? What science has said we don't have a killing instinct? Biology. Biology? Are, are, are you reading this on Wikipedia or something? Excuse Is that where me. you're getting your information from? Where are you getting from? your shit from, mate? Okay? From years, I've educated from years myself. Of eating meat, I've educated from seeing myself. around me, from walking into shops and seeing packet meat on shelves, from going out and shooting the animals myself, that's where I'm getting it from. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And it's lovely, isn't it? It is, yeah, it's yeah. quite tasty. Yeah, it's murder, it's slaughter, that's all it is. You've no way to take the life of another species. It's new uh, on my arse. Are you telling me that when you drive down a road that you don't squash a fly on the windscreen? That's out of my control, accidental. That's not out of your control, walk instead. I'm not contributing to any murder. And it must be a quick trip to Lidl or Aldi for you to in and out and get the, I don't know, cabbage or whatever Rains, you need. Lentils. I'll educate you then. Listen, you smart arse, you see, there you are, Nile and Co. Smart arse again. Look at the de- the non dairy section. See how healthy all that stuff is. Without the animal secretions in your stomach. The animal secretions yeah. in your stomach. Oh, what you call dairy products? Oh god. Sounds What you call dairy? Yeah. 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 I love cow milk, by the way. Oh, that body fluid in your stomach. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. I love it. Pit- I can't be in a good glass of milk. Pit- Piss shit and guts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you hate the truth, Niall. You hate uh, the truth. Yeah, I do. That's what they, they pasteurise it just to make sure that I have all the piss shit and guts in my stomach. Put some blood in your milk, by the way. Yeah, that's what they. Yeah. Pa- they, they you do realise they pasteurise milk for a reason, don't you? Do you? You have no fucking clue. Uh, do you re- do you understand why they pasteurise milk, don't you? My arse. They don't. They don't. They're lies. Oh, that's lies. Oh, it's okay. all fucking lies to protect themselves. 
And that's why we're that's why we're all dropping dead like flies from drinking milk so. Plants and fruit won't give you disease. I know a guy that worked in an abattoir and he told me how they kill the animals here in Ireland. And they stun them. Yes, they hang them upside down, they fit their throats. But they stun them firstly with a probe to either side of their temples. They are complete out of it. No, no. What he told me, I haven't seen it. No, no, no. No, no, don't interrupt me a minute now. Just see me. They're still conscious. That's a lie. No, no, no. So this is what I was told, right? All lies. And... Oh, will you just leave me finish? I did believe this particular guy because he's a good friend of mine. And this is what he okay, well, saying. hang on, Connor. Let her finish and then I'll let you come back in on it, all right? So, they're stunned and they don't actually know what's happening to them. So then I went to Hong Kong. I was brought to a place called the West Market. There were chickens stuffed into cages, maybe tiny, tiny cages, maybe 15, 16 of them. But he's, well, he's, well, he's a vegan and, you know, he's, he's going to disagree with it all, Catherine, because he's a vegan anyway. Yeah. Okay. It wouldn't matter yeah, if they yeah. were. In, it, it wouldn't matter if the chickens were in three-bedroom apartments. He still would be against it. You're know, a little smart arse, Niall. When oh, you want to get a dig in, well, you love I'm your own mouth, Niall. Speaking every day of my life. You love your own voice, Niall. I do. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually, I do interfere with myself on a regular basis listening to my own voice. Yeah. That's what I do, Connor. At home, when I go home at night, I listen to my show back again and I play it myself. Would you uh, I think, uh, excuse me, can I just say, yeah. you're the one that's sounding the, the love of your own voice now at the moment, because I was asked to go on this that's show and I'm here. That's what they do in animals. They oh, rape here. animals. And the farm, yeah. Agriculture, yeah. Rape them. Yeah, what he's talking about is he's talking about the fact that for to get milk, of course, from cows, they must be pregnant, and we inseminate the animals. Ah, uh, come on. That's come on. Ridiculous. Of course it is. Hand up the arse, yeah, up the vagina. We're all carnivores. We're all carnivores. Well, I think we are. Look at our digestive system. We're herbivores. We actually have the digestive system of an omnivore, actually, but however, if you want to insist on that, Connor, you can. Ah, uh, look, Niall, I've heard you say this before. As human beings, have evolved, our digestive systems have got shorter, which means that we can't consume meat in the way we would have thousands and thousands of years ago, and that's because primarily we do eat a lot of fruit and vegetables now as well. So our digestive system has adapted to both eating fruit and vegetables and also eating meat as well. But we must cook the meat. We're herbivore. Obviously it's not natural if you have to cook it. But you cook you cook vegetables too, you fool. We eat them raw as well. Who eats vegetables raw? Very few people eat vegetables raw. Yeah. yeah, well, most people well, cook. Now, where is the monster? Why is he shouting? Yeah, I don't know. I'm angry. I'm angry and upset. <laughs> he should feel very invincible. He needs a bit of meat. You haven't got a fucking clue. So proud of yourself for getting animals, aren't you? You're sick fuck. Oh, you're a psycho if you kill animals. You're a psycho if you kill animals. Liam, would you kill an animal yourself? I've choked a few chickens in my day. You've choked a few chickens? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I'd say you have, all right, yeah. That didn't come out the way you meant it to come out <laughs> I'd say, you've I'd say you've choked the chicken, all right. Sorry. The interbestiality as well. No. <laughs> what are you saying? Jesus, why are you not mine? Are you crazy having a fucking clue what I'm saying? Connor, if an animal had died of natural causes, do you mind if we eat it then? That oh. depends what you pick up from it, doesn't it? I, I, I'm not. Just answer the question. Right, don't cook it and don't season it, then eat it then, will you? No, that's not what I fucking asked you. Just answer a straight question, will you? I'll ask you another one back. <laughs> Oh, God. You ask me after you answer the question. Please, answer the question. He's going to ask you if a potato died of natural causes, which he is. Oh, Green Lantern, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like you think plants have feelings. Bullshit talk. So you're ashamed to be a human being. What would you rather be? Look at what we've done to the planet, yeah. What We're the problem be? to the planet. Yeah, look, I mean, you're right. Look what we've done to the planet. Yeah. <laughs> no, you'll always be a little dickhead. <laughs> look what we've done to this world. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. I'm glad you can make a joke of it now. What have we done? Huh? Yeah. What about sunrise? What about sunrise? What about rain? What have we done? What about all the things that you said we were to gain? Connor, you fucking left-wing lunatic. Do you eat lentils? Do you eat chickpeas? I eat anything but dead animals. Okay, so do you, uh, where do you get your chickpeas from? The ground. The ground. So do you eat them raw? I can do, yeah. You can't? Oh, go fuck yourself, you can do. I mean, what if you can feed like a fucking donkey? Stop being such a fucking... Come on, like, don't be when a dickhead. You, when you talk, talk normal, talk normal. No, no, Connor, don't be a little tosser. Talk normal to me. Up. Ask me a question. Be civilized. Up, Connor, when you dig stuff up, have you ever killed a worm digging it up? The excuse me, excuse me. I'm telling you. I'm telling you that I've. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Don't be a little dickhead and listen for a minute. Right? Don't be a little dickhead. You cut your fucking ear. Right? Come on before you. Cut your all the fucking same. Listen to me. You're a mouth in no action. You're a sick psycho. You're a sick psycho. Fuck. Do you know that? Alright, listen, on that note, I'm going to have to wrap it. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, thanks, uh, Steve, uh, Connor, and Julian, and everybody else who got involved in that.